Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, how are you? I'm giddy, I think is the polite way of describing my present frame of mind, because we're recording this little bit on Thursday early afternoon and there's a, there's a big match taking place in Brighton. Uh, European football, uh, you, 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 probably an alien concept, but all the same, something to get excited about. Uh, well, it's a very alien concept to me, Kieran. We did play a Turkish team in the Intertoto Cup once and get hammered in the first round, but I don't think that quite counts. Um, we've got a special pod today, Kieran. We've got an interview, but I think people are entitled to know what your your match day routine is, your very first game in Europe, Kieran, what's the what's the routine? You'll be in the pub, I imagine, with the lads at about two o'clock this afternoon. As soon as we finish this, you'll be down to some Weatherspoons for a tear-up. Well, unfortunately, the Weatherspoons in Brighton has been uh, preoccupied by AEK Athens fans, so I'm not <laughs> quite sure what they think of the unique atmosphere of, of surly men um, muttering about losing their country and so on. Uh, but now, uh, myself and the Baroness, we're going to Zorba's in uh, in Lewis for a pre-match Greek meal to try to you know, get a feel of authenticity uh, before the big big event itself. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling that Zorba's in Lewis might be as alien to some of the Greek fans that are coming over as the Weatherspoons in Brighton, Kieran, to be perfectly yes. honest. I strongly I, suspect so. I, I, I just love the idea of those those... Greek fans uh, filling up on cheap cider and Weatherspoons, having in the full English and then being dive-bombed by seagulls afterwards, just for the full <laughs> cultural experience. Uh, we do have a special interview today. It's Friday, so that's normally an interview day. Uh, many of you will recall at the start of the year, we spoke to a director of Klandidna FC about a problem with the pitch that was threatening the very existence of an historic club. This week, we caught up with Dave Ginn, chairman of Clandidno, to find out what happened. And spoiler alert, this interview may contain good news. Dave, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Before we get an update, um, a rare optimistic update for us, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be chair of Clandidno FC? Oh, right. Um I've actually been part of the club possibly for over 20 years now, um, being a player. Uh, then uh, after we were in uh, Europe with 
the Welsh Prem, then stepped aside as a goalkeeper coach, which I just found a love for coaching, to be honest with you, uh, especially goalkeeping, uh, being an ex-goalkeeper myself. And then there was sort of, a with COVID and everything, there was sort of a rejiggle of the board. Quite a lot of people left. Uh, a couple of people left due to ill health, old age, etc. Um, and I was asked to join the board. At first, I thought it was just going to be a director and I thought we'll give it a go. Uh, in my first board meeting, I actually found out I'd been voted in as vice chairman. Um, so not one to shy away from a challenge. Thought, let's let's see how this goes. You know, I've, I've never been vice chairman of anything before. Let's uh, let's give it a go. Gave it a go. And um, obviously, you know the story of the chairman before myself. Um, he he ser served his time and decided enough was enough for himself and left. So the... Uh, the progression was I stepped in as chairman and have been for just over a year now. Yeah, you, you mentioned Europe. I mean, it's a nice reminder that this is not this is not a small provincial team we're talking about here. This is one of the, the biggest teams in North Wales, isn't it? The, which, just to put the, con the context of what nearly happened to you, wasn't happening to a Sunday League team. It was, ha it was happening to a big side in your part of the world, wasn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to say that we're the biggest team in North Wales. I wouldn't because, you know, Bangor in its day, they were up there real in its day as well. You know, uh, we just don't want to end up down that path that they went, uh, unfortunately. And I do feel that we're, you know, we're, we're gaining strides on coming back up. We reminded uh, in our introduction, our listeners, about what the situation was earlier this year uh, you described the club situation at the time as dire. Could you give us all a little bit more of a reminder of what actually happened, how the situation with the pitch came about? Oh, well, um, not one to dwell on saying how dire it was. We've, we want to reap the positives out of everything. So um, it just seemed to be downhill, downhill, downhill. The Welsh FA paid us a visit. Uh, there was a complaint about the pitch and the standard of the pitch. Um a member of the Welsh FA came over and condemned the pitch. Basically, it was uh, it was one of the first three Gs laid. Um, we were in the Welsh Prem, etc. You know, everything was looking good. Uh, unfortunately, the turf just hadn't lived up to its expectations and standards, uh, so we were left pitchless. Basically, uh, we then had to hire Nant Porth, which is Bangor's ground. Uh, so all our home games last season were actually away um, and it, it has a great strain, as as you could tell, on the team uh, moving forward, etc. So, yeah, that, that was the start of getting stuck in the mud. It was the start of uh, a horrible 12 months, a very strenuous 12 months on a lot of people. Uh, you, you tried to get funding from the Welsh government, yeah. What was their What was their reason for refusing that funding to you? There, there, were, there was quite quite a few reasons. Uh, one was uh, we hadn't advertised that we put enough money uh, towards the pitch ourselves, where we were advised poorly. Um, and the other one that really struck me was that they said we weren't community based enough, uh, oh. which well, you could have you could have blown me down with a feather, you know. Um, I think that we are a community hub and I'm sure later on in the interview you you will see how much the community has come together to get us to where we are today. 
Well, I find that astonishing, Dave, because when we spoke to Tom, one of your directors before, I mean, we already knew because we do, despite what some of our listeners think, we do do some research into these interviews. My wife was brought up in Clandidnor, so it's an area I'm, a, I'm aware of. Um, yeah. And we all knew from that research and our experience how much of a hub the club was for the community. Absolutely. A, a community which which we pointed out at the time, economically, isn't doing particularly well. The club was a really important centre for the for the community in, in Clandidno. Yeah. So it's astonishing that the government would, would not pick up on that. Yeah, no, huge. We had an awful lot of help with the with the grant you know and advice of people who actually do you know apply for grants for a living etc and it, it just it almost didn't come as a shock with all the bad news we've had over and over and over it was almost like yeah okay what what's the next bit of bad news type thing but um you know there's there's no no blame on anyone or anything like that we didn't obviously cross the T's and dot the I's quite well enough. Um, and that's that, really. We have reapplied for that grant, obviously not for the pitch. We've reapplied to help for LED floodlights. Um, and there's a few other grants that we've put in for as well. So this will go with our community-based. Uh, we've put in a grant for uh, an activity set up. So there's a um, football table uh, table tennis, things like that, swings, etc., for the kids. And it's a it's a grant that hopefully we're going to get. We're going to build these this little play center, outdoor play center, and of course it's going to be free for the community. Yeah. When I became a, a trustee of the, the Crystal Palace Foundation, I was amazed to learn, as you said, that there are people whose full time job was to apply for grants because it's yeah. such it's yeah. such a complicated time-consuming process and you you have to know the road if you don't know the ins and outs of the grant application process you're not getting anywhere near any money from any official board no 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 and um it's certainly not my forte i will hold my hands up for that one yeah. there's uh th- there was some very clever people who helped us out on that one but like i say unfortunately the main one we didn't pass the grade um but there are smaller smaller ones we're going for and they're looking fingers crossed to be successful so when the, the refusal of the Welsh government to help with the pitch was the the last nail in the coffin, so to speak, and that left to, that led to some really drastic changes at the club, didn't it? Both in terms of the management structure and the the first team. Yeah, as uh, the way the way I look at being chairman is the way I, I run my businesses and life, etc. You know, and it, it the key is being truthful. Sometimes the truth hurts, uh, but it is key. Um, so Sean Erdley and Mike Pearson were uh, managers, first team managers of Flandino at the time. Uh, Jordan Hathaway was on the coaching staff and also we got Sarah Koval on the ladies. So when this news came through, I pulled them all in. We had a, an emergency meeting, if you want to call it that. And the truth obviously hit, hit a spike. Uh, it was the straw that broke the camel's back with Sean. Um, Am I disappointed he left? I'm upset he left, uh, but not disappointed. Sean and I go go back years and years and years. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's it's football at the end of the day. And I just think it was just too much for him. Uh, maybe disappointment, etc. cetera. Uh, we did talk in length uh, regards this, but it was just too much. And he resigned 
by the next morning and almost it was almost herd mentality of everyone else just just left um literally overnight we'd gone from a thriving challenging squad to uh to two goalkeepers who were in the academy that were left from the academy after the academy had been taken away from us um so yeah it was it was a sleepless night put it that way okay. <laughs> uh, we obviously then had to draw the board in uh, and it was a case of do we hit the drink or do we sort this out you know <laughs> it was it really was one of them um so so the beers waited a little bit and the scotch etc but um yeah we the decision was made very quickly but it it was the right decision of jordan to come in as um manager he's a young budding very for his, for his age he's very experienced very knowledgeable in the game and um as a, everything we've we've got to let him do his job we can't interfere in his job he doesn't interfere in how i am chairman uh, and the board etc we we've, we've got to let him do his job and we trust him and i do feel that points are going to come our way with a team that he's built i think it took him 6 weeks so if you look at the pre-season every football club has had we're actually on about game 1 game 2 yeah. in the league whereas really we're on about game 6 etc so so, yeah. Well, hopefully that beer and scotch might be replaced with champagne uh, shortly. But tell us the average age of your current squad. I think, don't don't quote me on this, I think the average age of the squad is about 19 years, two months. Right, well, it's gone Somewhere up. around that. It, it was quoted as somebody in your club told us it was 16 years and six months at the start of the season. And you've that got was a couple first, of, That yeah. was the first game. We then yeah. brought Brownie in, who uh, is... I think he's 38, so he's messed that up a little bit. It, it shot up slightly, the, the old fella. Uh, but he's he's come in. Jordan's brought him in. He's um, he's an experienced, experienced midfielder, and I think he's he's a great asset to the team for the young lads. Really is. And, and I couldn't help but noticing, looking at the, uh, as I say, the, the pictures of the players, that one of them has the same surname as you, and seems to be a goalkeeper. Is there is there a link there, Dave? There is. Uh, that's uh, Thomas, my eldest son. Um, I've got three sons in total, and the the, two, the eldest and the middle one are both goalkeepers. Um, both been in the academy, etc. So yeah, it's a, it's a proud moment for uh, for myself and his mum uh, seeing Thomas progress um, into the first team. He's he's a bench warmer uh, at the moment, but he's he's fully aware that more hard work is his time will come. Uh, so yeah, and he, he's a member of a squad that are in a, a very exciting time. If you ask me, um, it could be a fairy tale season, and I think what the fans and the squad—they've all got it. They've got it in, instilled in them that we're not going for promotion. We're not going for the championship. Our championship is one point above relegation. Mm. That's our goal. That's our success. That's our fairy tale season. But yes, for for Thomas. Uh, I'm hugely proud as a dad. It's very hard uh, to put the dad side to the left and the chairman side to the right. So sometimes I'm just at the back watching with uh, uh, the utmost pride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get on to the, the good news part of the story, just let us know where your last season you played your games at Bangor. Yes. This year you are playing at. We're at Imorva, which is in Conway. So we're sharing Conway's ground. Uh, with them, 
So hopefully we're actually helping them out as well. Uh, we're having a good crowd turn up to watch us uh, and we're helping them with pitch maintenance, et cetera, and things like that. So unfortunately they got relegated last season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're building bridges between Landidno and Conway and uh, I, hopefully the friendship continues. The, the, the castle there, anybody who lives in that neck of the woods knows what a beautiful town and castle oh, is. Yeah, it? fish and chips on the quay. It's a, yeah. certainly a first date venue, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> Well, not in London, Dave, no. Well, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think I'd like to think even Kieran, who took his wife to a Brighton-Hartlepool game, would come up with something more romantic. Than well, fish. you old, old romantic, you. <laughs> <laughs> Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So what, how many people are, are watching you? How many people are travelling up the road to, to see your home games? Well, so first game last season was Colwyn Bay versus Landed No Ats. Landed No, I think we had around about 1,900 people in the ground. Wow. Um, an amazing, an amazing turnout. At the moment, I think uh, our first game was around about the 3,500 mark, uh, which was at home, obviously, at Conway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've had... We've, the key of supporters that we've got have been fantastic, fantastic. And they've started their own committee as well. So there's a supporters committee where, you know, they can bring issues to the board, etc., or ideas and what have you. And everyone's just working as a team on and off the field. So, yeah, good, good turnouts. Um, this is a phrase we rarely get to use on this pod, Dave, but I believe you have good news or at least encouraging news now about the pitch. Well, I'll give, I'll give I'll give you the version the version of events. So we called a public meeting, yeah, basically to say we didn't get the government grant, um, etc. And to to explain it quickly, there was a gentleman in the audience who isn't from around here, but now lives here, etc. And he viewed his point that Bangor was too far for him to get the bus or the train, etc. You know, um, but he did say and. If I'm wrong, I'll hold my hands up. Stafford Rangers had a new stand built. Yeah. And the company that was building it went pop. And the mistake Stafford Rangers had done, they paid them in full before ah, the job was done. Right. So they were around about X amount of pounds short. So what they did, they appealed to the fans and said about a bond. So if they gave £250 to buy a bond, you would then receive that £250 back on a lottery scheme. So it'd be drawn weekly or monthly, 
and it's a 0% loan, basically, to the club. Fans got together, they bought the bonds, Stafford Rangers managed to get the rest of the stand built. We're sat there, and you could, you just, the silence in the room, and it was almost like a eureka moment, and everyone in that room said, right, piece of paper, I'll give you my email address, I'll buy a bond now. So the wow. bond started at £250. Wow. Uh, they started well. We got to about four, five, six thousand pounds maybe on that evening. Wow. Um, and then we were approached by someone who said, I can't actually afford 250 pounds. Well, of course, it's a lot of money, isn't it, with the modern day uh, cost of living, etc. So we decided to change it to increments of 50 pounds. Uh, as I sit here in front of you now, the bond is at 21,200 pounds. Wow. And the good news out of that is we ordered the pitch. And the pitch is beginning to be laid this month. Oh, that's fantastic. This month? Yes. That's brilliant news. Um, yeah. So my understanding is, so you've, you've paid the deposit. So you haven't paid the full amount up front for the pitch, have you, is my well, understanding? No, that is correct. And that's because that's not how you, you pay for a brand new pitch. So you pay a certain amount uh, to get the ball rolling for, you know, figure of speech. Uh, they then start the work, and then you pay in increments as the work goes along. So you actually oh, pay I the see. full amount yeah. just before it's finished. Uh, but we have the full amount, so we're not uh, we've not paid the deposit. I've seen a few things on social where people are like, "Oh, yeah, I've got the full amount." I don't know yes. how they know that, right? Um, yeah. But yes, we have the full amount. And it's there in our account, and that is why this company is coming across to start work because they wouldn't do it if we didn't have the full amount. Oh, well, I'm really, I'm really pleased to hear you say that, Dave. Because, as I say, in the research that I did, I, I was slightly, I wasn't worried because I know the club's in safe hands. But I was wondering how it worked yeah. when you were, when you were, the pitch was being laid, and at one stage people were saying you didn't have the money to complete it. But that's that's yeah. put I've, that's put the, the mind of club did no fans at rest as well, hasn't it? I yeah, precisely. And again, we're tr- we're truthful. It's the way that we've run the board. It has to be. It has to be the truth. We can't, you know, we can't make it look nice or anything like that. If it's if it's a lie, we're going to get caught. And it's not. It's the whole truth. Uh, they bring a site agent with them and he advises us how much we pay uh, per every third day or something like that, the actual the actual process is. So, yeah, the, don't worry. The company will get all their money and we will get that brand new pitch. That's brilliant. Kieran, can I just bring you in here? Because we, we, we've talked quite a lot recently, Dave, about various clubs and, and bond schemes. Uh, QPR, Peterborough, etc. But they 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 tend to be for bigger infrastructure projects. But Kieran, you 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 are quite a fan of the bond scheme when it's pulled off successfully, aren't you? Yes, if you take a look at what we have seen with with Norwich, that that worked out very well. Same with QPR, it allows fans to engage with the clubs, and and this this idea seems great. You know, it, it's it's not unaffordable at the same time yeah i think dave's absolutely right to acknowledge that let, let's try to broaden the scope of people that can participate it gives you that sense of belonging and you, you know fans can come along and say i i helped i helped lay that pitch through my yeah, through my investment absolutely. so so yeah it's i think it's, it's a great idea um if, if, if you want a signed copy of the book to add to your list of prizes, I'm sure we can. <laughs> <laughs> or an unsigned copy, which those are quite rare. Yeah, if you want something that's really worth money, Dave, go for the unsigned copy. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned um, 
the, the money being repaid, the lottery money being repaid, uh, yeah. being repaid through a lottery. So how does that work exactly? So uh, we've, we've guaranteed that it will be a monthly draw. Obviously, right. once the pitch is relayed, we're hoping everything comes back. Our pan disability, uh, our turn up and plays, etc., camps, and just, you know, Joe Bloggs hiring a third of it for a kickabout with his mates. So the more the club gets back on its feet and thriving, we, we may possibly be able to do two draws per week. Um, so when we say like a lottery scheme, so rather than a number, it's a name. Uh, so a name's drawn off a computer system uh, at random. And if it's uh, Joe Bloggs comes out, he will receive however much he has put into that bond, whether it be £50 or up to £250. If Joe Bloggs has bought five bonds at £250, well, he'll only get one back per month. Right. But his name can be drawn. Well, his name will be drawn out five times over the period until everything is paid back. Yeah, so... Our, our aim... Uh, sorry, sorry, our aim is to pay pay all this back as quickly and efficiently as we can. But we've also got to remember that the club's got to survive as a working business as well. So we can't put pressure on the club. Hence why we've guaranteed one per month. And we will do our, our utmost to do more than that. So however long it takes, everybody who, who took part in the initial bond scheme will be offered their money back. But also, is there an option for them to say, no, thank you, please keep the money, you still need it? There's always an option for someone to say, please keep the money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that option isn't exactly uh, a push a button, uh, but they, we will admit, and we won't say names, but there has been a couple of people who have said, don't put my name in the hat, that's, that's just to help. And of course, as you as you mentioned, uh, the 3G pitch doesn't just mean that you can get all your teams back training on it. It means a handy source of extra income as well, doesn't it? Oh, massive, massively. Our clubhouse, uh, unfortunately, is, is like a ghost town at the moment because there's no one at the pitch. There's no one turning up, etc. Because it's we, we can't we can't play on it. Um, again, we've lost the academy now, which was a huge blow. I was so pro academy uh but fortunately we've got the grassroots section and there's a big plan on rebuilding that etc to have all the age groups for next season Brilliant. um but teas coffees food beer football on live football on the telly golf cricket all that lot it's it's things that draw draw the, the community back in um, once the pitch is laid dave and, and the club's up and running again properly does that ironically mean that you can then apply for more funds and grants in the way that you you probably couldn't before? I think so, yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, obviously, there's a couple of rules towards what grants you can apply for. And I think if you don't if you don't tick those boxes, well, then it's just a no, isn't it? Uh, but as anyone who is involved in football clubs, whether they're very bottom of the league or very top, you know, uh, grants are, are there to keep us, keep us going. Uh, there's there's a lot of personal money gone in into the club to keep it going, but um, there's not many shakes in Landudno, <laughs> so uh, you know if if there is, I'll uh, I'll kidnap him and he can have my job. <laughs> and and just two more things. You you mentioned that the work was about to start. Is there a, is there a chance that you will get to play a home game this season at your place? Uh, we're looking at uh, Touchwood. Cross your fingers, cross your toes. 
we hope that we'll be playing at home by the end of October. Oh, as quickly as that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's quick, weather yeah, it's weather depending. Right. Um, I was told the exact details. It's something to do with the glue won't the contact glue won't actually set if it drops below five degrees. Right, I got you. Uh, etc. Obviously, we're working outdoors and. Um, I would say Welsh weather, but British weather cannot be <laughs> guaranteed. Uh, we've had our summer here. It was uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, <laughs> and now autumn has, uh, has arrived. But yeah, we're fingers crossed. So let's say definitely before Christmas, definitely there'll be a home game and uh, long may it thrive. I, it, there are some compensations for the weather. The first time my wife took me to Clandidno, I had to go to a doctor because I was wheezing so much. Uh, and she thought it was hilarious. She went, oh, you're from London, aren't you? She said, yeah. I said, she said, your lungs can't handle the air. Yeah, clean air. It's clean air. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, had to, I had to lie down. Yeah. I had to put my mouth around an exhaust pipe. Sure. Um, <laughs> one last thing, Dave. I mean, this is, as I say, it's it's really unusual for us to have a, a good news story. And and I invite you to be as emotional as you like when you answer this question. What, what, what will it mean to you, to the club, to the town, to get the football team back playing where it should be on a state-of-the-art pitch with your finances for once looking in an upward direction? Because I, I read some of the things about how your how your mood was, you know, 10 months ago, how low you felt on behalf of everybody. And now, please God, you're through that. So just tell us what it means. Ah, oh, means the world. means the world. Something that you, you're so personally invested in, not, not so much financially, but you know, with the the heartstrings, etc. It's been it's been an awful long ten months. Uh, unfortunately, I've had a few uh, personal issues as well. I, I lost my father in May. Oh, sorry, uh, I had a, a very close bond with him, and uh, it, it it was very sudden. Uh, we'd actually lost, including my father, we'd lost six people who were involved in the club uh, at a high base since the the pitch has been condemned, etc. So it's been hard for everyone. It really has. So I do think, uh, I don't think there'll be celebrations when the pitch is laid and when we're back there. I think the celebrations, I hope, will be success of staying in League Two. Uh, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'll, uh, I think I'll be on my hands and knees and being a in tears, yeah. yeah. I think I, I, I honestly will. I'm, I'm man enough to say that. Uh, and then the champagne and the beer will be hit. <laughs> uh, Dave, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you. We wish you all the best for the future. And hopefully we'll get you on for a, a quick chat five minutes before kickoff for that first game. Uh, That's- and we'll send, you a bottle, we'll, we'll send you a bottle of champagne to celebrate as well. It's a deal uh, and it's a date. Great. So- Dave, thanks for it. Appreciate it. Thank that. you. Cheers, guys. Kieran, first of all, I have to say, I think my pronunciation of Clandidna was better than the chairman's, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. That's Ali will be that's down to hours of coaching from Ali and being wrapped over the knuckles with a ruler every time I didn't pronounce it properly. The, the town where she grew up, of course. Uh, it, it's it's a pleasure, Kieran. It's an unusual pleasure to bring good news to people. I think we all felt a little bit emotional at the end of that interview, but what baffles me, Kieran, is that for the want of £21,000, that club could have gone out of existence forever. £21,000, Kieran. 
we talk so blithely about the huge amounts of money in washing around in, in top flight football and £21,000 saved that club. Yes, it, it was very much at the brink, but uh, fair play to Dave and everybody else for, for rallying around and being innovative, coming up with things such as the, the bond scheme. Um, and it shows that there is so much passion and there is so much pride in individual towns for their football club that people will get their thinking caps on and they will do their utmost. So it, it was fantastic listening to Dave. And we know that there's plenty of fans of other clubs who are in pretty dire straits at present. Well, you know, take inspiration from this. Um, if you get the right people in, and I appreciate that's often quite, you know, that can be half of the problem, then then you can move forwards and uh, you can have that that place, which is your special place on a Saturday or a Sunday, whenever it's going to be. Um, and there's no better feeling, as, as, as we all know, as fans. And, and it illustrates as well, Kieran, something that we've always talked about is that fans learn from fans of other clubs. They, there they were really scratching their head about what to do. And a Stafford Rangers fan who happened to be at the meetings suggested something that that club had done. So that's it's always good to hear fans of other clubs learning things from, from and, and telling each other about how you can keep your club going at that level. Yeah, and, and I think we, we've we always said we want our rivals to lose matches. Mm. We want their centre-forward to be found in a compromising position in the Sunday newspapers. Mm. But we don't want that club to go out of existence because you can't have a rivalry without rivals. And what we also find as football fans is that there's so much that we have in common. And, you know, here, Stafford, you know, Stafford and, and Holland did know, and I apologise for my pronunciation, but Brighton probably wouldn't be in existence, was it, were it not for the efforts of a Plymouth Argyle fan who mm. who came up with the idea of Fans United in, in 1997. So let's let's stick together because we've we've got a common cause in that we all want our football clubs to be in existence. Uh, you're right about um, not wanting our rivals to win games, Kieran. I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of the afternoon learning the Greek for ref and VAR's killing the game and uh, who are Brighton paying for this. And then I should sit, settle down and watch the Those We talked uh, briefly, Kieran, about the financial benefits of a 3G pitch to a team like Clad Did Not. Um, and rather than go into detail now, our questions pod, which is out on Monday, uh, which Guy has just sent us a question through, and there is by sheer coincidence a question there about the benefits of a 3G pitch uh, for lower level clubs. So we'll go into some detail for those of you listening to this who want to know exactly what a 3G pitch means to a club like Clandidno. You can find that out on our Monday pod. If you have a question you'd like answered on those show, by the way, you can email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that'd be very kind of you. And you'll get access to our chat community and our regular quizzes. You can go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. As we've mentioned, three dates have now been confirmed for our Price of Football live show in the coming weeks. The Winter Gardens in Blackpool on October the 12th, which is going to be a celebration of the launch of our book that day. The Lowry Theatre in Salford on October the 22nd and the Royal Yacht on Jersey on November the 7th. 
And to get your tickets, you can go to priceoffootball.com or through the venues themselves. And finally, if you'd like to pre-order that new book, Unfit and Improper Persons, An Idiot's Guide to Running a Football Club, or one of our other books, or get yourself a Price of Football t-shirt, you can also find details on our website, priceoffootball.com. Bye, everyone. Bye. The Price of Football. I'm for the